Welcome to this podcast for BrainPod. My name is Jean-Paul Lennertz, my co-host is Stephen Arianto, and our guest is Roy Scheurs. The topic of today is house hunting. How do you find a house and how do you pay for it? Roy Scheurs is a financial expert. He works for expat mortgages and his role is different from that of a real estate agent. Yes, that's correct. Right on the financial side. So our goal is to be a mortgage intermediary. Uh, for the Netherlands, we work with uh, with expats only, and we have total coverage of the Netherlands, and we organize about 1,100 Moses a year. And our our goal is to find the best bank for you, not only now but also for the future. So uh, lots of choices, and I think we think that's uh, that's very important. Not to go not to go just to one bank only, but really compare and see what's the best deal for our uh, for our customers. And for the housing part, uh, on on a local. Uh, level we work together with uh, with very trustworthy buying agents to to make your journey your housing journey as pleasant as possible and and uh, especially preventing you from buying, buying a lemon that's one of the one of the biggest um, uh, advantages that we want so we want people to buy the right house at the right time so for a lot of um, expats and a lot of young families even um, uh, buying a house is such, such a huge, huge step, and it is right. Uh, yeah. And they're often overwhelmed with, yeah. you know, the steps of buying a house. Um, so, can you walk us through the steps of buying a house, and where do you come in in that steps, and how do you help your clients? Yeah, yeah, yeah. First of all, uh, I want to say I have a lot of respect for people that come from abroad and buy a house here because I can very vividly remember when I bought my first house, it was in 2020, uh, 2000, sorry. So it's 20, <laughs> 20, 21 years ago now. And I can uh, really uh, relate to that, how exciting time it was. And it was a, a seller's market as we have now as well. Because when I was visiting the house, there were two couples behind me and one couple before me visiting the house. So I can really, really understand how it feels. So even my, uh, even I, as a Dutch resident, I was really nervous, and it was a time of bidding, etc. So I understand. Um, yeah, what 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 do you have to do in the Netherlands when you want to find a property? Uh, go to your mortgage agent first. Expert mortgages could be a good option. You have to determine your budget, so you have to know what can I borrow, and we will look at your situation. Do you have a definite contract or temporary, or are you self-employed? Um, how long have you been here in the Netherlands? What what are the restrictions? Because what people might not know, even if you are in the Netherlands for one day and you are employed, that you can buy a house from from uh, from the start, from the scratch. Um, step two is looking for a property, and we and we always advise you to go with a buying agent, a trustworthy buying agent. And we know that cost money. That yes, they will send you an invoice, but that they will really prevent you from from buying a lemon. They can help you with a lot of questions about. The VVE, the Association of Owners, if it's if it's there, they can they can help you a lot with um, with the intake. Where do you want to go? Where do you want to live? Which price range? Uh, they can search the market for you. You can give you just can give them your parameters, what you want. If you want to have two bathrooms, if you have uh, what kind of kitchen, etc. But um, and they can also organize some things for you, like a technical inspection, because in the Netherlands, uh, the technical inspection is not mandatory, but uh, it would be very good to, to check the technical state of a, of a property too, because when you fall in love with a property, you might get a bit blind for things that, that could be there. Um, but one of the, the, the things that a buying agent can also do for you, and, that, and I think that's in the, the selling 
market times is very important. They can they can know a property before it appears in Funda three to four days before, so you can have a real advantage on that. Funda is not the, the the first place to go because the real estate agents know earlier than we would see it. They might know earlier. Yeah, of course you have you have to be on Funda to to, to Google a bit for what what is my taste, what would I really want. So from us you will get your borrowing capacity. So what 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 can you what can you borrow, and with that information you can look up a buying agent. And if you have a meeting with us, it's free of charge, the initial meeting, but also with a buying agent, you can have a free of charge initial meeting. So the maximum you can lose is your time. So 45 minutes with us, 45 minutes with the buying agent, but then you are so well informed that you will have a house journey. We, are, we really know that. And what the buying agent can also find out is what is the seller strategy? Because uh, I get the question a lot, Roy, what do you think? Is it, is it highly priced or is it low priced? I cannot tell you that the buying agent can because he or she can find out the selling strategy strategy because you you might uh, you might encounter a seller that has enough time so will he will put it a bit high in the market and have people negotiate down but you can also imagine on the other side if you have a seller that wants to get rid of the property very quickly he will put it low in the market and have people bidding up against each other so how does that work in the Netherlands? Because if I hear you you talk as a foreigner, I may think, well, these real estate agents just sit together and they agree upon we will sell it and I will make sure that my customers will uh, buy into the price because I will convince them. No, no, no. Our experience is totally different. No, that there is no uh, cartel or something as you, as you, uh, I don't know if you're indicating that, uh, but. No, no, we, we we don't see we don't see it like that. There is no um, like 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 yeah. We, we call it Heinrich Club in the Netherlands. I don't mm. know the English. But what we no, it's it's not that that you are in the market and selling fruits or or cows or something like that. No, yeah. that's not our experience. But could um, a real estate agent do a, get a better mar uh, bargain because he knows the market better? Yes, he can. But what, what, what we really like is our buying agent informing our customers very well how much they should overbid, because that's a very hot topic. How much should I overbid? Well, depending on the property, depending on how many competitors that you have. And in the selling markets, of course, the, the, the selling parties could ten, have a tendency to become a bit arrogant. They could say, well, I'm selling it only to someone who can put it cash on the table. I will only sell it to you if you only need an 80% mortgage. Or even worse, they try to convince our customers that they should buy without having any dissolving clauses, which is, of course, the most dangerous thing that you can do. And we will also never advise that. And the buying agent also never will. But the buying agent can really be um, can really be an opening for not native Dutch speakers to get in this get in this competitive selling market. Will there be any uh, uh, conflict of interest between the buyer and also the uh, buying agency as well? Because uh, I can imagine the higher you bid, uh, probably the higher um, the the uh, the, uh, uh, the cost will be for the buying agents. Or do you have a different cost structure, a fixed par price to pay to the buying agents? Yeah, buying agents have different uh, different structures, but um, you will see in the market that most of their uh, invoices that that eighty percent will be fixed. So the, um, the, the trigger to, to, to overbid too much is, is not really there. Yeah. But, but we as expert mortgages, we, we, we try a lot of buying agents uh, and, and only the really trustworthy ones are left that we are working with. So do you prefer that you choose that buying agent or would you rather uh, advise 
your customers to pick someone themselves or what is your yeah. role in this because you put yourself in a pretty central role as you're a financial yes. advisor yes we, we are the we are the spider in the web so to say so we can organize everything for you so we can organize buying agent notary structural survey evaluator translator at the notary you name it we, as a spider in the web we organize everything but we are not connected to those parties so there are not fees going under the table or whatever that's not the case um, we are based on experience who, which buying agent could match with, with with a client. But even then, they are not. it's not mandatory to take the buying agent that we advise or recommend. They can really see for themselves. But we we can recommend buying agents that we have, have good experience with because you, have, you can have a really good buying agent, but maybe his communication in English is not so well. Uh, so j just to give you an example, and both things are important because you only have four to six weeks to get your mortgage arranged, including all uh, reports that have to be there. And people can really get anxious if things takes to, take too long. And we we like buying agents that are, of course, they know the market very well, but they can, can also be a good communicator with, and they understand our customers as, as we do. Right. And how, so, so once, once you've found a, a perfect house and then you, yeah. and then the, uh, the buying agent starts to give you an indication, okay, this is how much you have to bid. And yeah. in the end you do get the house. What's the next step then? Uh, do we start talking about the financials, I suppose? Yeah. So the, I've seen the customers once, then they found the house and then they can come, come back to me because as soon as I know, the purchase price, then I can, then my work can start because then I can find you the best mortgage deal that's in the market at that moment. But it's not us saying, okay, we found this in this bank. We think you should go with this option. It's we do it together with our clients because our clients understand very well how things work, and we explain to them which bank has which advantages and which bank has which which disadvantages for them, and we make the choice together which bank that we go to, and then we will, we will prepare the mortgage application. Uh, for our customers at the bank. We make sure all things are signed. Also, we make sure that everything is translated for our customers. And then the next step would be becoming the owner of the house, which you do at the day of notary. So you will sign two deeds. That's a transfer deed, the mortgage deed. And 40 minutes later, you are, are outside the notary again. But the only difference is then you are house owner. What is what is what and what are the rules then between uh, accept uh, having your bid accepted to the point until you get your keys at the notary? Uh, what are your flexibilities there? Can you still change terms? Uh, can you still even cancel your bid? What uh, how how do we, how do you do there? What what do you need to do? Yeah. So in the Netherlands, so let's say the purchase price is known. I start I start working from my side and on the side of the customer. Also, some things major important things will happen. In most cases, within one week, you will sign the purchase contract at the seller's office or the or the makelaar, selling makelaar. And in the Netherlands, you can do that without having your actual mortgage arranged or approved, which it might be a bit awkward. But that's what we are there for, to give you the assessment on forehand. Um, but you can do that because in the Netherlands, you have four protections. and Or you, you can also call them escapes or dissolving clauses. And your first escape is the three working day cooling off period. So you bought a house, you signed a contract, and then within three days you get, three working days, you get cold feet and you can just cancel the contract without giving any reason. Mm -hmm. Then there are still three protections left. So the, the second protection could be a technical inspection or structural survey as some people call it. Then you have a technical inspector going into the house and he will check all the technical 
details like are there termites, are there cracks, uh, how is the piping, the insulation, uh, the roofing. They will check literally everything and they will pro also provide you with a report. And if the, in, in that report you can exactly see what has to be repaired in the next three months, which costs are to be expected in the next six months, three years, and so on. And, and can you only do that after your bid is, is, is accept, accepted, or can you do that before your bid is accepted as well? You can do it on, on beforehand, but then you will see it's a seller's market, and they will say, okay, then we will sell it to somebody else. Mm -hmm. So in the seller's market, you, you, you can just do it afterwards, but you can you do it as a dissolving clause, so you are protected. If that report shows that in, that's in a much worse state than the seller is telling you, you can also back out. And your third escape is if, if the market value report, that's a mandatory report for the bank. If that shows it's not okay, you can also back out. And your fourth escape, if, if we cannot get a mortgage for you at any bank, then you can also um, escape or cancel the purchase contract. So whatever you do, you always have four escapes in your contract. But I can imagine that that uh, technical report can be quite ambiguous. If there's just a, a leaking faucet and then you say, well, I don't uh, buy a house for 400,000 uh, euros because of a repair for uh, 20 euros, that may not be valid. But where is yeah. the threshold when it's, it really becomes a showstopper? Yeah, yeah, a good question. The threshold is uh, is between the seller and the and the buyer. So you and, and I've seen everything from a thousand euros threshold till 20,000 euros. So the, the 20,000 euros was a was a building from 1930, which has which has a lot of maintenance in it, and the thousand euro was was a building that was only like eight to ten years old. So, but but it's always between the seller and the buyer. So the buyer says, okay, if the report shows that I have to maintain or repair more than thousand euros, then I'm not buying, and if it shows less, then okay, I'm I'm holding the contract. But of course, even if the report shows that there is more to repair, then then the the buyer can still say, ah, I will buy it anyway. What about uh, changing the, the, the buying price, for example, after the report shows that you need to repair a certain amount of euros? And then, so, yeah, I'm not buying for 400,000. That's what we agreed on. But since this report comes up this way, I'll buy it for, you know, 20,000 less. Yeah, there's also an option. That also happens. Yeah, also possible. Not every seller will go with that, but it's also possible. Yeah. Are, are the houses in Eindhoven in such a crappy state that you would really recommend the technical tests or only for um, cases where you really have reasons to believe? Well, a, a rule of thumb in our in our meaning is if the property is like 20 to 25 years or older, then I would surely have one. I mean, the costs are about 400 euros uh, in average, and it's better to spend those 400 euros than buying that lemon that we talked about earlier. Um, and I can talk for myself. I'm, I don't know if that's an English expression at all, but I'm a left-hander. I have two, have two left hands, so I, I don't have a technical eye myself too. So if I, if I would buy a new house, I would have a survey myself too, because I, I just don't know. And hmm. yeah, please. And then there is also in Dutch this effect of verborgen gebreken. I don't know exactly the English word, but I guess you would know. Um, you could say afterwards, well, I didn't know, and I couldn't know that the roof leaks. Yeah, but I will not fall for that. You could have had a technical inspection for that. And you're even obliged legally to do that? You're not obliged to know. It's not well, mandatory. No. Uh, in all, if, if you want to complain about it, you, you must have, you have some, let's say there is, if I know Dutch law correctly, you have mm -hmm. some kind of obligation to do a, a normal um, investigation. In uh, company terms, we would call that the due diligence about yeah, what you're actually buying. 
what the eye can see. Yeah, that's that's correct. Mm -hmm. But what about also the things that you cannot see through an inspection, right? So that's just based on the honesty of the previous owner. So let's say the previous owner says that I do have a have a wall insulation, and then the the current owner finds out three years later, or maybe even three months later, two three weeks later, that no, we don't have a, a wall insulation. So you were not being honest with me. What are our options there? Yeah, then, then 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 you could really complain about that. Yeah, but but most of the time you have to come with those things more quickly. So after five years, the chances are very low that you will get uh, that you will get your ride back. Roy Schurs of Expat Mortgages is our guest, and this podcast for Brainboard is hosted by Stephen Arianto and Jean Walnenatz.